1: It's your dog groomer's favorite podcast, aka the Chad and Cheese Podcast. I'm your co-host Joel Cheeseman, joined as always the O H to my I O Chad Sowash, yes, is in the house. And today we welcome Jim Holzer, managing partner at Drake Star Partners. He manages M and A and capital raising in the HR tech vertical. Jim, welcome to the Chad Thank and you. Cheese Podcast.
2: Drake Thank you, Star
1: M and A. This has nothing to do with the rapper Drake, right? Let's just get that out of the way real fast. <laughs> it does way. not. No, okay. no it's Drake, Drake is not in the, the, the MA M and A of uh, HR tech companies. Just like it's like to. the Death Star,
0: just of M and A. It's like they come in and they they, they eat it all up. So, Jim, give us give us a little Twitter bio about Jim. What makes Jim tick?
2: Helping uh, entrepreneurs and and great companies achieve their goals. I've uh, been a, a banker doing. Uh, software and tech enabled services banking for several decades. And uh I've worked at uh some of the large full service investment banks as well as specialized MA advisory firms. And my focus today is on HR Tech. Um you know it's one of the most interesting segments of the software and tech services landscape. And I've been at Drake Straw for over a decade. I'm a managing partner and shareholder and behind beyond uh beyond HR Tech, um I have a family of two two grown kids, live in the New York area and uh and it's, I am a, uh, a suffering golfer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? are we Jim all? Jim loves to party. I can <laughs> tell <laughs> that just from that. that
0: con- so that the HR space, why is the HR space so interesting to you?
2: It's been an area that has um, had a lot of growth and innovation for a long time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, you see companies of all types really being able to thrive. So from the innovative uh, seed stage company to the large public company, um, there's constantly been innovation. Um, it's been an area also where the the economy, the intro tech economy, you know, despite being influenced by the overall economy, has done quite well. And you see very active, uh, very active capital markets from the early stage capital to VC to private equity and to public markets. And um, so, very, very interesting space where um, there's always something interesting going on.
0: So, talk about Drake Star. Who? who what? is Drakestar, 100% tech-focused. Give us a little a little background around Drake Drakestar.
2: Yeah, so we're um, an international tech-focused investment bank, um, as you mentioned, but we have l- local presences both in North America and Europe. Mm-hmm. There's about uh, eight offices. We focus on M&A and capital raising only for tech companies, over 100 bankers. So we're, we're really actually one of the largest dedicated tech groups out there. Mm-hmm. Like many of our clients, we're employee-owned. So you know, we we get the entrepreneurial spirit and some of the challenges that entrepreneurs go through. And we try to really help them, uh, guide them on, on their journey to be successful.
0: How much is uh, managed assets wise that, that you guys have under your umbrella?
2: Okay. So we're not an investment firm, we're an advisory firm. So, mm-hmm. you know, what we do is we work on behalf of companies, um, really two principal areas. One is mergers and acquisitions, you know, mostly um, sell side M&A. We could talk about you know, what all that means later, as sure. well as, you know, raising capital for later stage, growth stage companies, not not venture capital, but more kind of growth equity type capital.
1: He's a matchmaker. He's, he's a, a matchmaker. matchmaker. He makes it's love connections happen. He's, a right. Chuck he he's the Chuck Woolery of Drakestar.
0: He's the Tinder of Drakestar. <laughs> 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 he's he's going to tell you whether you swipe left or right. And that being said, what a great segue to my hot or not. Uh, question. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'd literally like to hear, Jim, from you. You know, what type of technology are you sick of seeing pitched? Joel and I could go on for days around this, but what, what tech are you sick of seeing pitched? And then what do you see that's hot that you don't see that's pitched enough?
2: Well, I think the obvious one that's overpitched, and maybe not, I'm not sick of it. I'm kind of waiting to see where it's going to end up, but AI. I mean everyone is talking about AI and you know I was is at it, in every
0: pitch that you see though, I mean it's just it's like AI AI
2: this, AI that. You know, it's almost like uh <laughs> if you remember, I'm gonna date myself a bit here, but in the dot-com era every every company put dot com at the end of their name. Uh-huh. Um so yeah. no, but I so I think I think AI is real, but what I'd really like to see I'm waiting for sitting at the edge of my chair. Is like how are some of these solutions actually going to take hold and add value to employers and to and to companies and and to candidates? So what's what what's hot? What do you want to see more of? You what better say VR,
1: Jim. You better say VR. <laughs> I don't VR. do it,
2: Jim. <laughs> don't you do it. Um, I think, you know, one of the some of the things that we're seeing are, you know, just a couple areas like skills-based hiring, I mm-hmm. think is is really important. One of the one of the issues that we could talk about that's affecting HR Tech. Um, In addition to what's going on in the economy, but there's there's been this job gap that's that's been going on for a while. Oh yeah, right. There's more more openings than there are people to fill them. Right, and um, while it's been narrowing with you know some of the employment numbers, it's still pretty big. And you know maybe it's not really a jobs gap. Maybe it's really a skills gap. Like how to how do people get the right the right employees, the right talent? Um, And so we see a lot of companies uh, going after that. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's I think that's very interesting. And then we're seeing other areas, you know, kind of more topical in line with the economy, like contingent labor and other things like that, that are, you know, doing doing okay right now, doing well now.
0: Uh, well, I think there's a jobs gap and a skills gap. Right. I think both can be both can be true where we're having kind of like a jobs gap uh, in, let's say, for instance, hospitality. That's not really a skills gap per se, but then there are huge skills gaps in uh, some of the more technical spaces where we're really in need of uh, different types of of skills. So I think that they both can can exist.
1: Jim, we're we're on the sort of the edge of saying goodbye to 2023. What surprised you or, or you didn't expect in 2023 as you look back on the year?
2: I think the thing that was kind of the unknown and, you know, now we're, it seems to have some light under at the end of the tunnel is, you know, the impact of the Federal Reserve and their rate hike campaign, um, mm-hmm. you know, it was just sort of an unknown and and kind of seeing when inflation data, which is what they're tracking, when that would start to moderate. And so we now have seen some moderation. And, you know, it seems like um, a lot of prognosticators are saying that the Fed is a, kind of the end of their rate raising cycle and that, you know, and that should be better for the economy. The question is how long do rates stay high? So that, I think that was kind of the big unknown that, Mm -hmm. you know, I was been waiting to understand like, when would that, when would we see that kind of the light at the end of the tunnel? And and what's
1: your read on inflation rates and, you know, money isn't free anymore because we had a, we had a parade of unicorns from let's call it 2020 (laughs) to 2022 the deals, the oysters, the velocity globals, the remotes, got a lot of money. What's the state of those companies right now as they look into 2024?
2: You know, if you look at venture as a whole, there is definitely, you know, a lot of money thrown at at companies and, you know, things kind of went, you know, went too maybe too far in one direction. And now what's happening is, you know, it's a lot a lot harder to raise capital for the, some of these companies. And mm-hmm. so there's a big emphasis on profitability and controlling your own destiny being cash flow positive. I mean it's, you know, with the SaaS model, you know, when that as that's getting established, you can kind of invest in that and get some pretty, pretty amazing growth. Mm-hmm. But you also have to kind of look at like how are we as a company, you know, what's our cash flow situation? What's our cash situation? Um, so there's a big emphasis on that. And we've, we've seen the market change. You know, everyone talks about the rule of 40s and um, you know, which is really the sum of a company's growth rate and their their profitability, their free cash flow margin, mm-hmm. and so what's happened? There's been a massive correction in the public markets, and what you're saying now is, you know, companies that maybe traded companies with, I'd say, a twenty to thirty percent growth rate and a ten to twenty percent free cash flow margin will trade higher than one with a greater than thirty percent growth rate and a less than ten percent free cash flow margin, and so that's kind of a sign that the market is, you know, growth is still very important, but profitability is becoming important as well. And and you see that in the venture marketplace, whereas the investors want to see, you know, more, more discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, and the companies that were on that old model, you know, which you were talking about before, some of them it's more difficult. And we've seen, mm-hmm. you know, it's, even with some of the IPOs that have happened, we've seen some unicorns, you know, go public at a lower valuation than their last round.
1: Not in our space, they haven't. You've seen Instacart and some others. Yeah, not
2: might. not yeah, you know, there haven't been any HR tech ones, but just, you know, the whole, the whole kind of, you know, software. Put
1: a pin in the IPO question, Chad, what do you, what do you got? For okay. <laughs>
0: So how how will all of that money affect a lot of these big brands? I mean, because there is a thing, as we say on the show, as taking too much money.
1: The other dynamic, Jim, also, a lot of these companies got a lot of money on the premise that the world was going to go remote and never go back to the office. And we're seeing that they are going back to the office. So to me, it's like a double whammy for these companies in terms of trying to make it. Your thoughts?
2: Yeah, well, an adventure always, you know, had the requirement that when you take that money, you have a higher hurdle for exit because the investor, you know, especially those early stages they need to get for their model to work, they need to get, you know, six, seven, eight X returns. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're signing up for, to grow, to become a much bigger company. And so for some companies that, you know, that's great. You know, if you can, if you can become a large business, you know, perhaps large enough to go public or just kind of keep on growing, um, You know, that could work, but it doesn't work for everybody. And um, if you get too caught up in raising lots of money and um, higher and higher valuations, then it's just going to make it harder for you to have a good exit and return for everybody, all the stakeholders.
0: So uh, let's let's talk a little bit about the key data points for uh, acquiring. Or M and A from from your from your side of the house, as founders that are out there today, uh, they obviously would love to hear from a guy like you to know what the key data points. Obviously, profits growth was big. Now it's more you know focusing on discipline and profits. Uh, what what do you see now, and then also with the landscape down the road? Is there going to be other points that you think are more important uh, than you know just pure growth?
2: Every company's situation is, um, is unique, you know, so it's really a combination of all those, of all those factors. Um, what you want to see is a company that, you know, is, is growing and gaining traction in their market with a business model that makes sense and can generate returns. So, you know, what does that mean? It does, it does mean profitability companies, but companies can trade off profitability for growth. So a lot of attention when you're selling a company or raising capital, is on things, you know, people call the SaaS metrics. So what is your, you know, gross and net retention? What is your LTV to CAC? Um, what is your payback for CAC? And what do your margins look like? What's your channel strategy? Is it direct? Is it, is it, is it partner? You know, so how does all that work together? Um, and then, you know, strategically, how does that fit in an ecosystem? Are you, are you, you know, are you in a category that has a big enough TAM that you could be you know, a a product onto itself, or are you kind of a feature of some other bigger company that eventually Mm -hmm. will get consolidated? So we, we look at all that, you know, and the story is always unique based on the company and the segment. And there's not, there's not really one size fits all. It's really, you know, building a healthy business, you know, having, you know, a strong team, you know, team, teams are really important in, um, in technology you know buyers will will look to buy a company for a position in the market to fill a product hole but also to get talent and a lot of our deals the team on the on the company that's getting sold is that they actually have you know enhanced career opportunities and a better you know, a better opportunity to be part of something bigger, you know, and, and join with other, you know, like-minded colleagues.
0: Are you seeing a lot more of that where it's more of an aqua hire? Yes, they're getting the tech. Yes, they're getting whatever portfolio or what have you, maybe filling a, a features, some of a gap that they have within their current organization. Is it is it mainly the talent? Because I mean that that in itself is a pretty big buy, but but that talent can also walk out the door. So I mean, there, there's a huge risk for a lot of companies, right? There isn't it?
2: Yeah. So we're not we're not really that involved in aqua hire deals. They tend to be like some of the smaller deals. You know. Okay. You know, perhaps we talked about some of the you know challenge venture backed companies. You know, some of them could probably get acquired and maybe. Um, the team might be, you know, an, an interesting um, driver, but you know, in a lot of our deals, it's kind of a combination of the business plus the talent is is how I would say it's not it's not just the talent. Gotcha, gotcha.
1: Let's jump into to IPOs, Jim. Uh, we've been hearing for years the ISMs, the greenhouses, uh, were going public. The pullback from you know after releasing the S one is the dam going to break in twenty four? Our um, company's just going to back away from all the IPO talk? I mean, Personio is one that uh, over in Germany that's now coming to America. They're talking about IPOs. I mean, High Bob is raising a ton of money. The IPO has to, the dam has to break, right? Jim, what's your take?
2: So, yeah, I mean, as the economy improves, as interest rates moderate, as the stock market recovers, you're going to see more IPOs. And, you know, that, that should be I'm expecting a better IPO market in, in 2024. You know, whether or not some of these big companies, you know, iSIMS, Personio, Bob, et cetera, the ones you mentioned, um, will get out, you know, is going to be more, it'll be market specific. It'll be a better market environment, but, but also company specific. So it's going to depend on, on where they are. You know, there are, there are also, you know, opportunities um, for some of these companies to do more of a, a private equity type transaction to get an exit. You know, obviously iSIMS has, you know, several private equity firms in there. Mm -hmm. Um, but obviously as you get bigger and, and you, you know, as we talked about earlier and you have, you know, really high valuations, it becomes harder to, to do some of those.
0: So from the Drake star HR tech report, let's go ahead and jump into that for, uh, and and this was just released when Jim, this is pretty new stuff.
2: Yeah. It came out last week. We do a quarterly, you know, HR tech report. We look Mm -hmm. at, you know, different Different sectors. Um, we look at M activity, financing activity. Yeah. We try to spotlight. We, we a lot of times we'll invite a guest and we'll try to spotlight. You know, an area that's interesting.
0: So I think uh, the the thing that you said earlier that I thought was incredibly interesting that is that there there's innovation in this segment and and there is there's no question but without adoption that really doesn't matter and from Absolutely. your from from your data 63% of hr leaders intend on using generative ai to improve efficiency why only 63% <laughs> and and to you and to you is that like a downer i mean because this is a large market and only 63% of the market is looking to actually go into what everybody's talking about, which is AI. And it's on every one of those freaking presentations that you see out
1: there. And we wonder why Career Builder is still in business. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know why it's only 63%. You know, perhaps some of the companies have their heads down, they were focused on what they were focused on, and they're not going to go after the AI hype. But I think you know. Really, it'll be interesting, as you said earlier. I don't, I don't know if you if you all have any predictions, but how will it, how will this settle out, and where will we see adoption? Yeah, you're yeah. you know, you're right. There's, there's innovation, but also you need the adoption for it to to
1: work. Oh, we always have predictions, Jim. And what 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 the market says about our predictions? Sixty
2: percent of the time, it works every time.
0: And then also on the business side of the house, 37% of HR leaders are exploring AI to cut costs. You would think that that would be a much larger, I mean, especially when you're talking to the business, right? If you're trying to look for budget, the way to say that this budget is going to help is it's it's here to cut costs. So do, do you think that HR themselves need to be schooled on what the, really, the the aspects of business are that they should be focusing on because this thirty seven percent that should be ninety nine point nine percent, right?
2: Yeah, a- HR in and, and the technology landscape, we, we constantly see automation to improve processes, improve compliance. You know, you name it, and so yeah, it's. I think it's pretty obvious that you know the AI should be a big part of that. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of uh, I'm also wondering why it's only thirty seven percent.
0: Yeah. RPA, AI, whatever it is, I don't care. And I almost think, and, and tell me what you think is you start to look at all these presentations and you're dealing with these startups that uh, the process efficiencies are built in. And that's what many HR companies are looking for. They're not looking for themselves to create AI uh, and or to adopt. They're just looking to have this baked into their their newest platform.
2: Yeah. They're, they're looking to have it baked in you know some of them you know board members might say like what's our what's our position on ai we need to have a position on ai mm-hmm. and so you know maybe that's why you're seeing a lot of hype cuz all of a sudden the dam broke and people are saying, yeah, we have to we have to do something with AI.
1: Jim, there's been layoffs recently, uh, most notably LinkedIn laying off some 670 or so people. We talked about Oyster, another sort of unicorn from a couple of years ago that's laid off a lot of folks seek out, I think, recently. So I could go on and on, but how does someone in your shoes look at layoffs? Does, do you say weakness in the business? Do you say smart business decision? Uh, do you say automation is coming in? And talk about how you look at layoffs from your point of view.
2: Yeah, I mean, the layoffs obviously are a sign that, you know, the business is not performing up to expectations, you know, whatever the the budget is, and they're making adjustments for it. You know, it's I think, again, it's kind of case specific. And, you know, what's the magnitude? Are they, you know, is it large scale layoffs or is it, you know, some pruning? What have you? But you know clearly, you know we talked about the funding markets changing, and that's that's one of the tools that companies and management will use to respond to that.
1: Mm -hmm. When you say funding has changed, money isn't free anymore. Interest rates are higher, and and some of the big raises that we've talked about on the show, high Bob Harry uh, employment hire recently. These are pretty big rounds. Do you look at those and say those are really healthy companies because to be able to raise money in this environment you really have to have your act together. It's sort of like the real estate market from, you know, 06 to, to 16, like you had to have good credit, you had to have a job, you couldn't just get money for free. Do you look at these these rounds now and say, these are really healthy companies because the hurdle they have to clear is much higher than it was in, in 2020?
2: Yeah, I mean, the companies are performing to raise, you know, to raise capitals environment you have to be performing. And, um, you know, the other thing that's, you know, implicit, you have to maybe look a little deeper into the round these firms that have investors, the investors, you know, provide a level of support. So when they, you know, when a brand name investor comes in, they're not just necessarily coming in for that round, they're, they're mm. making a commitment to support the company. So you need to look at, did they raise more capital? Are there new investors involved? You know, what is the valuation compared to the last round? I mean, that's not always all that information isn't always public. But I mean, that would, you know, sort of indicate how they're performing. But I'd say yes, in general, you know, companies like High Bob and others that are raising capital are, you know, likely performing.
0: I've got I've got two quick questions to, to to round this out, Jim. So first and foremost, we're seeing a lot of companies who've taken a lot of money, who have an overinflated TAM. And these are what I like to call, I don't know, lies. Uh <laughs> I mean, you've got all of this bloat, right, of companies who are marketing that they have this vaporware. Now, it could be aspirational. There's no question. But it seems incredibly undisciplined to me. And I would like to know what you guys see when you see these companies come in uh, with large valuations, but they're at a TAM that there's no way that they can actually cover. Not that that's that's question number one. What do you guys do? Is this an advisory scenario where you have them like close and become more disciplined? What's what's the key there?
2: So yeah, I mean that's a question an investor or buyer will ask is what's your view of the TAM, and we look at that and we try to assess is it credible or not and advise them, like, maybe we should change our assumptions a bit, or or, Mm -hmm. or maybe it looks good. So yeah, so it's an important thing. And it's as important as any other aspect of the company, you need to, um, you need to present it in a credible way. And we know what investors and buyers look at. So before we take a company to market, we spend a lot of time looking at all those different aspects, Tam being one of them, and trying to explain it in a credible and transparent way.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So my last one's about founder deal breakers. So do you have any stories, anonymous stories? You can name names, Jim. If he wants to, that's entirely up to him. But I want to hear some stories. Some founders like antics are really bad decisions that just stop the deal dead.
2: I remember once uh, once I did a deal and um, it was a recap where the founder was going to um, take some money off the table and get capital to grow. Uh-huh. And he never told us that he was being audited by the IRS. <laughs> So, ouch! When we were like very close to closing, uh, all of a sudden he, you know, he gets a very large fine and penalty from the IRS, and needless to say that. That killed the deal.
1: <laughs> wow, <laughs> that escalated quickly. Okay, that's a good story. And it's <laughs> Jim. My my question isn't nearly as, as entertaining, but I asked so, you to look back at twenty three. You mentioned IPOs in twenty four, but give me some predictions for twenty four as we head into a new year. What do you expect to see in the uh, M and A space and investment space?
2: So yeah, I th- I think twenty four, and we're starting to see this happen already, just based on you know discussions we're having and, and new clients that we're taking on. I think M is going to be stronger. There has been, even in spite of the turbulence this year, there has been a good demand Strong demand for good companies that are performing. By definition, there's less of those, and you have you know strategic buyers that have growth plans and have capital that want to make acquisitions. You have private equity that want to make cap- acquisitions. So you know even though 23 like our, the quarterly M and A volume is probably at 20 percent less than 21, which you know mm-hmm. was a high high water mark, there's still like 34 percent more deals in 2019, and so we're kind of we're expecting that to continue. The, the fundraising market. On private placements has been more challenged. There's been more of a decline there, you know, both you know versus 21 and, and 2019. I think as um, as things settle out, companies maybe adapt their business models to you know quote unquote the new normal. I think we'll see some improvements there, but I'm, I'm expecting probably a more active M&A market and probably an improving financing market, but still, you know, still may take a while for, for things on the financing side to really heat up.
0: Are there going to be a lot of clearance rack sales? Because I think that's what everybody's looking for.
2: I mean, there, there could be, but, you know, the, the companies that were challenged and have issues on on capital, you know, they, they want to sell and, you know, they need to sell. But buyers are still pretty careful, so some of them might happen. But um, the buyers out there that are active and driving the market or you know, want good businesses. They don't necessarily want to take on something that you know might be risky or you know maybe heading in the continuing to head in the wrong direction. Um, so I think there'll be a lot of companies that will see, you know, that are troubled that will seek a sale. The question is, how many of them will actually get done? Give me,
1: give me one company that'll IPO in twenty
2: four. Um, Drumroll, please just a question. prediction, Jim. We're not going to hold you to it. It's okay. I'm not sure. <laughs> is that okay?
1: <laughs> oh, come I'm gonna on, I'm going to call step star. <sighs> come on, Jim. All right. <laughs> okay. that is, that's Jim Holzer, everybody, from Drake Star Partners. He's a managing partner. Drake, for our listeners who want to know more about you or maybe some startups out there, that are looking for money or
2: wanting to sell, where would you send them? Send them to our, our website, drakestar.com or or to my LinkedIn profile.
1: Easy enough. And if you ever want to talk about 80s basketball, call it collegiately. Jim's your guy. If you know in the green room, Chad, that is another one in the can. We out. We out.
2: Wow. Look at you. You made it through an entire episode of the Chad and Chase podcast. Or maybe you cheated and fast forwarded to the end. Either way, there's no doubt you wish you had that time back. Valuable time you could have used to buy a nutritious meal at Taco Bell, enjoy a pour of your favorite whiskey, or just watch big booty Latinas and bugfights on TikTok. No, you hung out with these two chuggleheads instead. Now go take a shower and wash off all the guilt. But save some soap, because you'll be back Like an awful train wreck, you can't look away. And like Chad's favorite western, you
1: can't quit them either. We out.